This is the Wheel of Time podcast on TV Podcast Industries. This time we're talking about the Wheel of Time, episode three, A Place of Safety. I've got an idea. Mm-hmm. Why don't you tell me what you can do and I'll see if I can find you something. Well, back home I was uh, pretty well off. Horse trader. Thank goodness you're here. Everybody! Everybody, I have a horse trader with no horses here. All right. Does anyone need a horse trader with no horses? No one cares about anything other than when the next beer's coming. So it's your choice. Serve beer or chop wood. I'm usually the one drinking. Then you'll know how pissed off people get waiting for one. Welcome, 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 fellow wheelers, back to the Wheel of Time podcast on TV Podcast Industries. We're here, we're talking about episode three of season one, A Place of Safety. I am Chris. Hello there, Chris. Yes, I am one of your other hosts, John, fellow wheelers. Uh, Derek is still absent without leave. We're getting worried. Yeah. We're, we're going to be sending out the Ace of Eye for him, I think, at this stage. Or, no, well, actually, maybe they captured him based on the <laughs> end of this true. season. He could, he could be the producer reborn. Oh, okay. Oh, I like that. Yes, that could be quite good, couldn't it? <laughs> um, but, yeah, welcome back, fellow wheelers, for episode three, A Place of Safety. Again, initial thoughts, Chris. What do you, what do you reckon? Top level, I'm very happy. As as a, a singular episode, fantastic. Like, I really enjoyed it. Intr- again, introducing more people, more thoughts, more kind of story threads, as well as some basic plots that probably will go on for a while. As a whole of three opening episodes. Yeah. Oof, yeah exactly, yeah. It, it's actually a really nice, uh, dare I say it, holy trinity of yeah. um, of episodes. And it, and it builds. I mean, it, you know, it, it ultimately builds, which I think is the only thing you can ask for, really, is that whatever thread of this waft and, and, and weave that they, they take... Um, that it just builds really, uh, and I, yeah, I thought I thought this was really, really good. Um, the the idea that the danger is everywhere—it's not just the in-your-face danger from um, the A malformed trolley. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, it, but it, it, it's everywhere, you know. The the dark ones' threads go out much more that than you, you you think so I, this was really good and um, and uh yeah I, I really liked it and and you were saying as well one of the other great things about it being on amazon prime this series is the x-ray function oh, so good yeah yeah so a uh, quick shout out if you are on just a kind of uh, on your phone or any major device or web browser you can click the uh, x-ray option it will give you trivia it will tell you the actors in that scene you can jump to certain scenes and the trivia is fantastic yeah it, it, it's really good and i mean you know 
we're doing this uh, this podcast. We've got Chris, who's read all of the books. There's me that is, you know, kind of just started on book two, having read book one. Derek, no reading of the books whatsoever. No and reading in general. Really. No reading in general. <laughs> no, he's more of a pictures man, yeah, I think. Um, but <laughs> but it, it's definitely, um, you know, there's a lot of law here. There's a lot of world building that has to be done. And the X-ray function on Amazon Prime really helps with, with certain different parts of it so yeah. you know if, if you hear something that you you don't understand like the taveran and um, or the like we were talking about the menethrin and yeah. um, it's on there and it'll give you a little bit of a you know a potted background of of these cultures these kingdoms um, and and so on so it, it's really really useful for a, a show like this yep and even better now is what they've done is on the home page of the show within uh prime video you, and this is not an ad by the way not sponsored at all i know I sounds like, it was really like on the home page you can check it out now use code no um <laughs> They have they have all these extra little bits beyond the standard X ray trivia where they have organizations within the first three episodes you should know and a bit more details key characters key names key places um, all there and they have a wheel based timeline where you can scroll oh, the nice. wheel and it will give you the days of what happened on that day assuming that it will be continue to be populated as each episode happens they'll add the new kind of people from that episode new things that have been mentioned um but yeah really really great play. if you want to dive in deeper i suppose that's yeah the exactly thing. great stuff excellent well let us get into our spoiler-filled discussion of episode three a place of safety just a quick reminder to our fellow wheelers uh, new or old existing um please head on over and subscribe to uh, TV Podcast Industries, to the Wheel of Time podcast on any good or evil podcast player of your choice. Just head on over to tvpodcastindustries.com. And of course, we're still in that um, podcasting ahead of time. So please send in your feedback for our feedback section. Uh, you can send in emails at feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or there is, of course, the Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash TV Podcast Industries. I think without further ado, Chris, what are some of the episode details? Sure, I'm happy to give them. <laughs> the Wheel of Time is based on a series of books by Robert Jordan. The showrunner for this season and uh, so far as we know, season two as well, is Raph Judkins. This episode was written by Paul and Michael Clarkson, the Clarkson twins. You may wonder, why did I say the Clarkson twins? Because it's actually down as the Clarkson brothers, I believe. It yes, is, it really in, is. As a writing credits. And they are an identical set of twin brothers who have also worked together uh, on the Haunting of Bly Manor and his Dark Materials. You definitely see it in this. Definitely. Yeah, really um, just such a call to the haunting of Bly Manor with Perrin's dream in this episode uh, really good stuff and they've worked on his dark material for the BBC as well yeah BBC America yeah. yeah yeah so they have 
credentials in that fantasy and horror fantasy world uh, as well. You definitely see it in certain parts, which we'll get to later. But finally, this episode was directed by Wayne Yip. He is a British director who's directed three episodes of Doctor Who, the ones the season with or the seasons with Peter Capaldi and Jodie Whittaker, uh, and he's also directed episodes of Nazi tracking drama Hunters and the comic book shows Doom Patrol, Preacher, and Cloak and Dagger. Excellent stuff. I loved Cloak and Dagger, oh. um, so that is again another Marvel uh, link for uh, yep. for this show to our Defenders podcast. As well, that looks at all things Marvel. And if you want to go really kind of tangentially, we could say Preacher via DC via Vertigo. If you really want to get well, there. Well, that is or true. Or actually, you could just go DC via Doom Patrol. Yeah, exactly. That would be quicker. Uh, next up for Wayne, we'll be directing episodes of the Lord of the Ring TV show, which we'll be covering from next year. Because guess what? It's also on Amazon Prime. It certainly is. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> this is like an Amazon Prime jamboree going on. Um, and also, we'll have uh, The Boys. We do. Oh, my God. We have a lot of content next year. We but really we're do. not talking about next year or the amount of content we have to podcast. John, do you want to tell us what they all gave us for this episode? Sure. Split in different directions, the fragments of the group make their way across the world, all the while looking over their shoulders and all the while trying to anticipate each other's movements, to return to the two rivers or push on east to Whitebridge and onto the White Tower. Egwene and Perrin are chased by wolves across the plains, all the while trying to find time to rest and keep warm. At one camp, Perrin is tormented again in his dreams by the Dark One, as he has returned to his blacksmith and his dead wife. But the next morning, Perrin and Egwene discover the wolves have led them to tracks that head east, Following them, they soon catch up with a trail of caravans of the Twathen, the travelling folk, who bring them into their circle for food, rest and safety. Rand and Matt stumble across a mining town called Breen Spring, where they head to the local inn with enough money for food and tarp. Here they are introduced to a gleeman called Thondril Merlin, who gives the two friends some very useful and expensive life lessons. The helpful serving lady, Dana, gives them work in exchange for food and shelter. But Matt has become increasingly irritant and is reluctant to help Rand with the jobs. At the back of his mind is the glowing purple rock and the thoughts of other plunder that he intends to take from the dead body of an ale strung up on the way into town. With his jobs finished, Rand soon discovers that the helpful Dana has not-so-helpful plans for himself and Matt, Dana's dreams tell her of the importance of the five companions to the Dark One. Having called a fade, Matt luckily interrupts Dark Friend Diana's plans and they manage to escape with the help of Tondril, who kills the Dark Friend before offering to take them east. Elsewhere, Moraine and Lan find help in an unexpected and unwanted quarter as Nynaeve uses her skills as a wisdom to treat the wound on Moraine's shoulder. Lan treats her warily after she tries to run him through, and he is also disconcerted that she could track the group from Twin Rivers. But her talents are not enough, and Lan manages to get Moraine to her Aesidae sisters for help. But these Aesidae are transporting a dangerous cargo, a man who has proclaimed himself the Dragon Reborn. Da, 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 da. <laughs> we need to get we need to get that sound effect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there you have it. Yeah. 
It was an episode. It when was. you go back through it each time, you're like, oh yeah, that was a full like fifty something minutes of just. Pre- There's very much, very little, I should say, downtime. Yeah, because we had three very separate stories going on, and each of those stories were very filled. Yeah, loads of information, and it, it's just the really sort of. Um, it's the nice contrast here, you know, with the title of the episode, "A Place of Safety." All the all these um, journeys seemingly to to safety, um, whether they be um, Egwene and Perrin to the the traveling folk, yep. um, or whether it is the the helpfulness of Dana uh, at at the inn, uh, or finally getting to the Aesidai sisters for Moraine so that she can be truly cured of. The, the trollic poison and um, and but also being kept alive by uh Nynaeve. so like all of this is is really nice but it i love the little twist with with dana and um, it really shows as we were saying the just the the danger in this world and not just from those that are obvious like the trollocs yep. and the and the eyeless so let's jump into that with our top spokes for this episode because that is the one we we do get a very prominent character being introduced, yeah. as well as as you say, perhaps one of the the greatest hidden factions of this land, the the dark fiends or friends, I should say. Yeah. So spoke number one, random Matt meets a traveling Gleeman, if you will. Yes, uh, Tom Merrillon. So Gleeman is basically an entertainer that travels around the cities, yep. going into inn and. Um, telling stories singing music the bard the bard yeah, from it, high it, fantasy it very is much. Yeah. It, it is this world's version of of jaskier from um the witcher yes very much so. and interestingly for for tom Marilyn, uh they meet here in in breen's spring which from the books he is actually at the uh Eamon's Field in yep. the two rivers at the time of the attack and joins um, the the group in their travels or escape, I should say, from from the the hunting Trollocs. So this is a this is slightly different, but it 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 works really well because I think it, it's a nice introduction and and it it, it gives um it the feels like that connection with Matt here um it feels like they're birds of a feather to some extent and um, so. potentially you know down on their look um or at at some point in the past Tom was down on his look like with Matt um and they they just seem you know they can both pickpocket uh, pretty well that they, they they kind of got that cheeky chappy sort yeah. of um cheekiness about them um and they can get away with murder, I guess, is the, the usual <laughs> phrase of it. And certainly, you know, I, I think that really kind of shows up when um, when Tom basically, you know, sympathizes with Matt. Matt. Matt sees that glowing rock in the body that's strung up outside yes. of uh, this this mining Green town. Springs, yeah. And he, he goes back effectively to plunder the corpse of this dead person um and in in this moment where effectively tom kind of says you can you know a lot of people would say no it's desecration he says we've all been desperate at some stage you know i'll give you 
five minutes. Take what you can. But he does also then follow it up with, now you've stolen from him, you have to bury him. Yeah, the least you could do yeah. is bury the lad. So it, it's it's really... Um, I, I think that's a real kind of bonding moment for these two characters. And um, I do like the 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 kind of repost from from Matt with regards to his purse of money. Yes. So the moment they met in the in the inn of um of Breen's Spring, which is called the Four Kings, um Tom pickpockets effectively what little um Matt has. And in this moment he he pickpockets it right back off off Tom. Yep. And as you know, they, they are seemingly bonding over this. So the, 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 I think there's some real real nice potential to come from this uh this new um this new companion on, on on the road. Yeah. So Tom is a huge character in the the in the books and I was waiting for his introduction. Yeah. I was saying to you though I did in my head, and this is very a very unique point. I I I, I spent years with these characters when I was reading the books, uh, and for quite a while, like it was a like there was a new one every two years at some point or every year, yeah. especially towards the end. And I had different visions in my head. So Tom for me was very much the Gandalf look, gleaming with the long white hair and the big long beard. Seeing him here, I'm like, oh no, that works. It's just a different kind of view and you get to see the the key aspects of the gleeman you get to see him sing the song the old folk song again which is an interesting one it wasn't as much of a banger as the one we got in the last episode yeah still good but it, it's no again no to toss a coin to your witcher it's not going to be in the it's not going to top the charts no it's not but it, it kind of had that ruggedness yeah. like raspy kind of you know smoky voice yeah. coming from uh, Tom Johnny here. Cash kind of level yeah here. <laughs> it was like you know you could imagine all the the boys and girls uh, underwear just falling <laughs> and oh, no. you know unaided and I, I like I thought it was really good I, I, yeah it's it's not toss a coin to Witcher but Again, it's another good bit of music, oh, yeah. you know, that works really well. Gives him, makes him feel smoky and, but, yep. you know, a strong, strong character, which is almost, even though I'm saying I think there's parallels with Matt, it's parallels from a previous life because Matt is anything but confident, yes. um, really. Uh, he's quite defensive and I think Tom recognizes he used to be like that, but on, his time um, and it, it, during his lifetime, I should say, you know, he's got his confidence. He's got his his, his little uh, niche in life yep. that he does well. He makes money from and it serves him well. And I, I thought that was really good. And a bit like yourself, um, it's, it's weird, isn't it? You know, we've both read the same book. I I always thought he had really dark hair and... Um, and certainly a bigger cloak, um, it kind of something that he would sort of waft around yeah. quite a lot, quite theatrically when he was um, up delivering his, his tales and stories and, and doing his plays. So 
it's it's interesting isn't it but this to me is a really great character introduction yeah. for sure and just uh, some people may have just seen the outlines of it the glee men are known for their uh, cloaks or their, their coats because the inner lining is uh, multiple different colours and patches and things like that so it's the glee men's cloak they used to call it and there's different levels as yeah. well so I mean there's even glee men that would perform in the big royal courts of the different kingdoms yeah. In, in this world as well and then there are those that would just do kind of villages yeah. um, so th- th- there's a bit of a you know a pr- professional promotional scale that you can see for the Gleeman uh, in, in the Wheel of Time the one thing I do want to call um, very quickly is just the Ale Wastelander so we this yes. is the, an introduction which I don't remember being this early but sure let's go for it the Ale Wastelanders uh, so we've heard about the Waste before um, which is uh, close, it's out past um, the, the, the near the Trollocs, out past where the land is from. It's mentioned that way. Uh, we hear that it's an L Wastelander, members of the Freefall. Um, that is all we've given. We know that they are severely dangerous. They are uh, basically, if you uh, see one with their veil up, they will attack you, according to Tom, and you yeah. are dead. Um, but beyond that, uh, they this ale was killed for just being different from being not from this town and Tom had heard that they were uh, that the town was bragging about killing an ale yeah th- this was this was a new this is a new sort of entry i guess into the um the greatest hits of different things from the wheel of time uh for me and, and until that conversation between um Tom and and Matt for me, it was simply the big, sort of sparkly, glowing purple rock that he yeah. had still attached to him, and and that, you know, Matt was behaving like um, a cat chasing a thousand laser points. Um, here, it, it it's bright, it's sparkly, it's probably going to get me money, um, and I can nick it as well. Yep. So off I go. You know, Matt has got his his mission here, and and Matt actually. Because you see that at the start, Matt is it feels distracted a bit, he and and irritated. You know, he he snaps at um at Rand. He doesn't really want to do the jobs that are being offered. He certainly doesn't want to chop the the wood with 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 Rand. And you know, I I, I do like the fact that ultimately it gets a little personal in that he has a dig about Egwene, which yep. which Rand doesn't appreciate. When Dana is trying to be really helpful and um, offering the jobs, um, she says about doing the washing up, and he's just like, "No." Um, what about the laundry? No, I sleep in sheets. Um, you know, he he's he's not really wanting to do anything. He's a little bit irritated and distracted for for um, various reasons. So, um, you know, I I thought that was a little bit um out of character uh, but i guess it's the stress of the whole situation um and you know because a lot of this episode is also about going back to the two rivers yep. or or progressing on to tarvalon and for matt you know you understand he's he's also deeply caring like we said in the last one with his sort of reassurance and comforting of Perrin yeah. um in Shadow Lagoth. Um 
he he wants to go back because he goes my my two young sisters need me he knows that he's left them with probably the worst parents ever and so you know that's his motivation here uh, as much as anything else so um i thought that was really good um as is dana actually she's really really good uh, in this this really friendly sort of flirty uh, helpful uh serving girl from from the from the the inn yep well in the beginning <laughs> well, yeah but, but, but that's it. it it becomes that jolt it's, it's what's so really cool about her character here is that you're going yes they, they've gotten shelter they've gotten food they're earning some coin and this is the place of safety for the time being and that rug is just ripped from underneath them and um, and it and it's the person who has been their their most helpful yeah um in in this in this mining town uh in, in dana yeah i so th- this starts in a great way this this rug being pulled which is she starts basically prodding matt about his uh well i could only give you a room with two beds um basically alluding to the fact that matt and rand are together i love yeah i love and that it's just funny he's like oh no 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 and then you slowly get them they kind of bond and it's only when he pulls back from the kiss she's like damn thought i could get you and we start to see the veil slip away and i loved it it was just so good because you see rand slowly realizing something is really off especially when she mentions a queen and braiding her hair in that way yeah yeah and you're like wait what huh this just yeah and it's fun although quick point we want to call out he definitely knocks that door down he really does yeah (laughs) but i noticed i was wondering about that because she dana says why else do you think i gave you a good room this has got a really sturdy door and you know the sound isn't going to carry basically i can lock you in here and and the music changes to suggest that something is allowing uh, rand Uh, it's like he's suddenly gotten super strength to be able to knock it it through And, and there that's the that's the interesting thing here, um, I, I think, because you're, you're kind of like going, what? Because th- there's no weaves coming nope. out of him or anything like that. So is it just because he has literally done a Captain America on with the, at the um, the wood chopping station? <laughs> and so he's suddenly like so buff that, uh, you know, he's, he's built his strength up enough to, to knock through this this door like an elephant or is it something else i i don't want to allude to being something else it could be we do remember that in the very first episode we didn't see the weave uh in the very first episode uh when they they're chasing the other um potential dragons who knows well exactly it it is um it's an interesting one because I'm not entirely sure I recall myself. So this is going to be a journey. <laughs> oh. of, this is going to be a journey of discovery uh, for sure. So like. he does escape and he goes on the run. He finds Matt. He's being chased by, by his own heron blade. 
Yes, I love that Dana did look like the medieval version of Terminator 2. (laughs) She was... Like, she was a dark friend with skills, you know? She... Yeah, and because she had the the heron blade, it looked like the extension of <laughs> of, of the the Terminator Two, uh, the T Two, um, and just the the changing course that she did. She was focused on, on getting them. Yeah, no. So for me, this was just fun because it's the introduction. I had completely forgotten about the dark friends and all that uh, in terms of this aspect. So. I was like, what is going on? And as she starts mentioning, I've dreamt about you. Yeah. Starts talking about the dark one. And the five. Yes. That was the good one I went. Call. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Good call. Yes. Um, these potential reborn dragons, are it's ticking up. Yeah. Yeah. We've gone from four now to five. And by the end of it, potentially, it could be six. Yeah. Although... So he's certainly given his options open as the dark one. But he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to kill any of them. He wants the the dark friends to bring him back, the, the, the dragon report, so that the dragon may... Break the wheel. Break the cycle. Reveal themselves. With, yes. Yeah, exactly. To, to break the cycle. With or realise their potential, I yes. guess. Yeah. Uh, so I really enjoyed this. I enjoyed also seeing, essentially, Tom's... We had seen him uh, pocket or palm the blade earlier Yeah. Uh, with his dagger yeah. when we see him with Matt. So here we see how, how deadly he is with his blade. Yeah, that was a pretty good uh, throw. Oh, and straight through the back of the neck. <laughs> of the neck i have to say i love dana in this i thought at least you know the twist was the cherry on top to be honest ed that but it was like oh look they've got a new friend this is really good they're getting their bit of like rest you know r&r basically and um i thought this was really good you know it was just she just played it really really well you have the twist you've got the the dramatic death as this sort of the tip of the of Tom's blade just pierces through her, her throat, um. But also then she is part of one of the best fade cuts I've seen um for a long time in, in TV. Yeah, as her blood uh, obviously starts flowing from the the huge dagger wound in in her neck it goes into the pool uh, and the, it, there's a darker bit and it do, and david yip here fades yeah. or the editor fades the the line of the darker blood into the tree line of uh lan moraine and nynaeve riding through the forest yeah i was like Oh my god, that was that was really good. Yeah. That was really good. Just it was a choice, and it worked perfectly. Uh, you could like, think you like is if it, you overuse it, it would be really annoying. Yeah. But just in this, I was like, oh no, well done. Yeah, that exactly. Was that kind of, yeah. yeah, exactly. And and you're just there going, did they plan that, or was that just something that happened by chance? And the editor went, oh, this I'll is perfect. That. I mean, you can imagine the editor just kind of going. Ah, oh, here's my Emmy Award now. <laughs> <laughs> not many, you know, these chances don't come along that often. I, I want to say it was pure chance, but my assumption is it was probably like edited. Meticulously planned. <laughs> it was exactly. like they're slowly just like p- p- 
cancelling. Yeah, we've got to set the camera here so we have that tree line on that angle. And when (laughs) when you drip the blood, do it at this This, speed. uh, Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, Gosh, yeah, I I think it's an accident. (laughs) It's got to be. It was a happy accident. Um, I just overall loved this scene. I loved the Rand. I loved Tom. I I I loved the this the trio meeting, and very much Tom going. I'm going east, and you get to see Matt go, well, look, we might as well. Like, come on. Yeah, yeah. Like, we're going. And that, so, as you said, kind of sets the, 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 the new trio off on their journey. Yeah, the other, the other kind of two things to draw from this is that Dana has also called for a fade. Yes. So the likelihood is, is that the fade is going to be on their tail yeah. um, as, as the three of them head off east. And, and the other interesting thing, and I, I guess it, it's similar w- with anything, is that, you know, the the view of Dana is the dragon will break the wheel. The dark one wants this to happen because, you know, this will change all these people arriving at this town into the inn where I work that are suffering from famine, from war, from drought. It's it's the age old question, I guess, of factions or religions or yeah. whatever it might be is no, I'm right. No, I'm right. No, I'm right. And this is why. And at the same time, there is that same righteousness um, coming from the, the dark friends, the dark one, and that that's why the wheel of time has to be broken to break the cycle of war, pestilence, famine. Yeah. Um, and we've, you know, the Aes are pretty dug in and the White Cloak. So, yeah. we, you know, this this feels like three very large immovable objects here uh, fighting for preeminence in, in this world. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's... Good. It's yeah, weighty stuff, I guess. No, and we did get one name uh, and one um, kind of thing to remind everyone is that this is not the the last dark friend that brought the dragon reborn was elevated above all others. Yeah, uh, and that's something to keep in mind. That's it's basically there's a reward on the the four of the potential dragon or the five potential dragon reborns heads. There is a reward out there. So just that every dark friend is going to be going after them. But a dark friend could be anyone. Yeah. That is the thing. There is. It is getting very x filey here. Yep. Trust no one. Um, you know, the truth is out there. The truth is out there. Someone, <laughs> just somewhere, is the cigarette smoking man in, 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 in <laughs> well, this world. Well, it's not Dana because it would just be going out of the <laughs> yeah, other side. Exactly. <laughs> but let us move on to our next top spoke of this episode. Spoke two. Yeah, we have Perrin and Egwene. Yeah, this was this was a fun one. It's a very short one. Essentially, there's like the the wolves are chasing yeah. Perrin and Egwene through the, this kind of more des- desolate wasteland that they're kind of traveling through, uh, or does which battering by the winds, they're getting more and more dehydrated. It is getting worse and worse for them, um, and we get. As they curl up for the night, they finally find shelter, uh, and Perrin is trying to start the fire. We see uh, a green potentially channel the source. Yeah. We it, don't know. It was a it, nice thing, wasn't it? Yeah. Perrin, was was that me or you? Yeah. yeah. And you see this, they don't know because, and we don't know even as a, we, we know she was attempting it and we could start to see, and then yeah. it was just one of them, one of them. 
managed to get a fire going. Yeah, it, it looks like Moraine has certainly piqued Egwene's um, curiosity yes. in, in, Experimenting. In, in using the, the one power yes. uh, for sure. Yeah, this was this was really good. The, the running from the wolves. Um, I think, you know, f- for me... Two the two things were were parents' dream and and, and, no. and being chased by the wolves or I guess as we later learn is being channeled by the wolves um to the the tracks of the Tuathan yeah um the the travelers um but coming back to parents' dream it was just really fantastic really creepy and. Having watched um, The Haunting of Hill House and Blythe Manor, there's some real good parallels in, in this dream with some of the the um, the things that they do on, oh, yeah. on those shows. Um, that like just having the the glowing ember eyes just off be, uh, through the glass yeah. of, of the window, and you may or may not catch it. Yeah. And that is one of the, they they did that a lot on Blythe Manor um, and uh, Haunting of Hill House and. Just things placed with maybe a slight movement that you may pick up on or not. Yeah. And this was really, uh, really creepy, really well done. And then the the dead coming back. Yeah. Where we see, again, Perrin's wife is dead. Where we see a wolf um, essentially devouring the, the corpse of uh, Perrin's wife. Um, or at least going for the, the, the remainder of her innards. Yeah. And then she turns the head, and you get that very much dead zombie, yeah. eyeless kind yeah. of grey eyed. And it was cool. That I have to admit, that was that was a nice touch. Yeah, the dark one is certainly playing on Perrin's guilt here. It's very stormy outside. You know, the atmosphere is just bang on for creepy dream. Yeah, and it. I love as he's walking to um the the forge, um, and the lightning goes. And the dark one flashes up yep. in, in front of him uh, on the corridor. And then after um, his wife's dead eyes look at him in, in, you know, in an accusatory kind of way, um, he turns around and the dark one comes for him. And then boom, jump, yeah. jump awake uh, for, for Perrin. But it was a nice little sequence. I really enjoyed this. Um, like, And again, you have Perrin separated from... Moraine, so he can't tell her. We know that dreams have power. That you know, will these the these dreams then will have more and more kind of power that maybe the Acidai can't control. Yep. So this is another kind of big thing from this, and I I kind of for me this was yeah straight in uh dare i say it my wheelhouse yeah no definitely i really enjoyed just the the, the, the even the the look and feel of just the dreams starting to become that bit more washed kind of look on the lens um or kind of that kind of more fuzzy i think it's fuzzy is the best way yeah. I can say. it's just it just wasn't as crisp yeah so you know it's like it's the dreaming world um but the, the, that all leads to the wolves pushing them or channeling them as you said to the to Athawan. And the, these two Athawan are, it's great. The, the, it's fantastic to see them realized in this, the, the traveling folk. And it's again the joke that they will steal your children and steal your yeah. coin. Yeah. Um, they do go through the ritual. 
Yes. Which is quite an interesting thing. Uh, I More will come from this, and I'm assuming it, probably in episode four we'll get the explanation of the song. Do you know the song? And th- yeah. there's a whole ritual behind this. Um, well, and the reason that's inferred why why they're traveling is because they're searching for someone. Searching and, for the song. Yes, and they haven't found it yet. Yes. Uh, they And both Perrin and Egwene... Um, don't know the song um but th- this was this was very short but yeah. a good introduction again it, they're bringing them food safety um shelter yeah. uh, in in the same way that at this moment we think Dana is doing to the two lads at, at Breen Spring yeah. um but it, it's it's Ella and Warren and the the kind of the chiefess and chief of, of the this traveler group and of course to coin a phrase from the simpsons there is stupid smooth sexy tinker uh <laughs> which i think is the son of ayla and Warren. yeah so um yes again uh certainly he will be batting his hazelnut eyes i i guess at egg wayne yes stupid sexy aram the traveling folk it, it's great great to see them these will play a part yeah um and again we get more mentions of kind of just more seeds of who are these people what is happening and i think you gave just enough to pique the interest i think on this one yeah in this episode like you said it was just a quick introduction that they got the safety and stuff i think if they had spent any more time it just would have felt out of place especially because the 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 parent and the queen's kind of rush journey to date and especially the fact that it was kind of interspersed with Nynaeve and Moraine's and Lan's overall journey. Um, so I think that's a good time now to move on to Spoke 3. I think so, yes. Um, I guess we've kind of done it slightly in reverse, but um, right up front we have just the little backstory or flashback to uh, Nynaeve um, escaping uh, her trollic captive. Um, and I, I, for one really uh, enjoyed this firstly i thought just being pulled by the braids along but there is that moment where you know it seems like there is a helping um a helping hand from a fellow trollic here (laughs) and to one who's kind of been injured within the attack but it it ends up being a helping slaughter from a, a fellow trollic who basically just guts him and begins to devour him uh, thinking that Nynaeve is kind of conked out uh, on the path but she runs off and goes to the sanctuary of the pool that we saw in, in episode one the yep. the sacred pool where she hides in the water from um, the, the trollic that it has basically realized she's done a runner and chased after her the one thing here, you know, again, I think we mentioned about the CGI, you know, there's purportedly like 10 million an episode here. And the Trollocs, again, I th- I think are realised really well. I've said that now. This is the third time I've said it. Um, in this light, in this cave, and it's just as he, the Trolloc comes in and you have Nynaeve head down below the rocks in the pool and you just see his hind legs and it the capturing of the light the movement of the muscles yeah. in that heel i'm like going 
that's just like incredible yeah. that the the effects level is to the point that its movements are effectively changing the texture of the surface of the skin of the trolloc yeah. and in the light and i'm just like yeah that's it's such a small thing and i guess most people don't even no, notice it's, notice no. it it's mainly because the 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 center of the shot is at Nynaeve's head level yeah. and she's down in the she's down in the in, in the pool and so the top part is all just of the the hulking hoofed feet of this trolloc yeah and it's like that's pretty amazing that level of detail and render that they do yeah. i mean it's nuts I, I I remember watching one of the interviews with uh, Rafe about this, about the the kind of the trollocs themselves, and they said they've used the mix of practical and CG. Yeah. So probably what you had was one of those stilt walkers in a kind of furry suit, and then they've overlayered the additional CGI into the the muscle movement, and it's just it does then end up being this beautifully grotesque vision of a kind of the trolloc itself yeah um but yeah no really good and we do get to see Nynaeve kind of <laughs> i think you called it it was the predator moment <laughs> it was like it was... from the ground from the like she is now arnold schwarzenegger yeah she is my she is definitely my um new favorite person in this show and um, because she was giving out predator vibes, but even alien vibes, you know. Uh, and she took down um, that that trolloc uh, with no mercy, and with its own knife as well. <laughs> yeah, with its own knife. Like she's badass. And I mean, that braid fling at the end. I was like, it was just brilliant. It was so so good. Um, and I, I was just like. I was absolutely with her all the way. And then it cutting to her still with the Trolloc blade to Lan's neck. And she's just like, where are my friends? Like, that is badass. That is simply brilliant stuff. And the other interesting thing is we saw it in episode one when myself and Derek were talking about it, was there were, Lan came across a load of dead sheep in, in the... We're, we're calling it the fat apostrophe uh, shape. Um, r- reminiscent of how the White Walkers in Game of Thrones kind of do the outward yes. spiral. Um, and interestingly, after uh, Nynaeve had um, sort of dispatched this trolloc and, it, and it, it sank below the water, the blood came up again it looked like it was in the shape of the fat apostrophe. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of interesting because I have no idea what this is. So don't spoil me. I'm not going to spoil it. It is a, it is a symbol from the show it, it, or from the books. It, it, it is a well-known symbol of the Tao. Like yin and yang yin kind yang. of thing. Oh, okay. So there's an element there. Like okay. black and white, good and bad. It's just, it's a symbol. You'll see it on a lot of the... So that's almost, life. there's another half to yes, it then. Exactly. Okay, okay. And I think they'll go into it, I think, especially with the introduction of the Dark Friends, I think they'll they'll announce some of it and you'll start to see parts of it. If not, by the end of season one, I'll probably, at least, I'll have... I do, yeah, well, I do like the fact that even 
the gushing blood of a dead Trolloc responds to the dark one. Oh, yeah. To, <laughs> to sort of keep on message. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like Tom Brand. It's just like, I'm going to die, but I'm Brand. Keep, keep the Brand message alive here. Yeah, no, I thought that was... Um, I, I, I thought uh, Nynaeve here was superb. And I think um, even as well, you know, she tries to... She tries to take out Lan oh, as yeah. well. He goes, "You try to kill me," and then he okay. He manages to wrestle her enough so that he can sort of just knock her out with the back of his dagger. Yeah, and this is great. Like I, one thing I'll call out is the the braid tug. By the way, so that we call it the badassery of it. It is a well known thing with Nynaeve. She is from the books. Is constantly tugging of the braid. You have seen it in episode one where she kind of gets a bit grr and arg and she tugs her braid uh, in the tavern. So here is just another hefty tug braid swing and kind of badassery. Very cool. And yeah, she she gets knocked out bad. Yeah, tied up um, by Lan while Moraine is dying. Yeah. Um, which we can see. We we talked about in the last episode that there's Trolloc poison in Moraine's wound. And it's only then when Nynaeve is like, look, you need me to give a hand here. And she goes off foraging. And we get that very quick, nice, cutesy, meet-cute interaction between Lan and Nynaeve where it's like, go on, ask your question. Yeah, that was cool. And it's like, well, how did you follow me? Yeah. Because warders are known to be super stealthy. They're ninjas to a degree. Yeah. Like they don't leave tracks. They they're trained that way. And she goes, I said I let you, I you let you ask the question. I didn't say I would answer yeah, it. Yeah, no, and I it love just that. Just runs yeah. off. You're like, that yeah, was that was really good. And I, I like the the fact that, yeah, you're right. Lan is both a little wary and disconcerted because it, oh, how on earth did you track me, me yeah. uh, to this point? Um but I, I guess simmering under that is a little bit of uh, sort of admiration yeah. that she's can do that. So I, I really like that interaction because I think, you know, so far Lan has literally been the loyal um, sort of warder of uh, of Moraine. Yeah. And this was kind of the first moment, really, I, I feel that you kind of that broke down because Moraine is, you know, practically dying off uh, on, on a mossy bank. Well, we don't know where. Somewhere. Somewhere. Left by herself. So, you know, the, maybe there's a bit of freedom yeah. here. Um, but I thought that was quite quite nice. Yeah. And certainly because, I mean, even Nynaeve suggests the bond. She says, you know, I've heard about the bonds between uh, a warder and their Aes and um, So you better hold on because... This is gonna hurt, and, the, and it looks yeah, it, gross. That looked pretty grim, didn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, you you always see that stuff on kind of YouTube where it's like pimple poppers uh-huh. on YouTube, and you're like, oh. <laughs> and this was like proper boil level. We're just gonna like strain the boil, assist, oh. and I was like, oh, I yeah. was like, but cool. Definitely goes. She puts the poultice on, and things do not get better. So Lan runs in a direction. Yeah. I didn't fully get it. He goes off, he looks over a hill looking at escape and then comes back and I found them. I guess he what? has the eyes of an eagle as well. Like or <laughs> strength he, of a bear. <laughs> yeah, as a as a tracker he can even you know, he can track 
on big things that are happening. Um, but there was one point where I was thinking, is this going to be Lan's sort of lot in life where we're going to see him, you know, galloping on a horse, uh, <laughs> being, you know, into the mist um, and then galloping back? And did, he's done a lot of galloping he as does, Lan he does do um, a lot of galloping. so far in this series. But I, I like then that, you know, there is the realisation that uh, Nynaeve has only been able to do so much with her yeah. herbal remedies and that Moraine does need the help of her sisters and that is ultimately what Lan is looking for is he surveys um really I mean the again the 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 scenery the landscape that you're being given here um, is epic yeah um, and and the rocks at the start were were random matter you know it reminded me of the rocky area that Frodo and Sam work through to to get to um the dead marshes uh, in in um in Lord of the Rings so like again you know there's a lot of amazing sort of interreferences between multiple fantasy books going on here um but we get to um Lan bringing Moraine to her sisters we see a green Aesodai now, so we we've seen the red one. Yep. Moraine is blue. Yep. And the there was a yellow one being yep. burnt, so I, I guess you went from yellow to black, and then um or ash or grey, grey yeah, charcoal. Ash. We'll call yeah. it charcoal. Yeah, yeah charcoal. <laughs> and, and now we have a green one. I have no idea what any of that means, other <laughs> than that there are these distinctions. Yes, there is. Other than that, I have no idea. I'm like everyone else. I'm going. What what is it? I guess we'll find out. Um, there there are hints, by the way, on on the tapestry opening. Okay. Yeah. So there is a, there is some hints in that. I will say that. I'll have to pause yes, that. Yes, yes, I will do. Um, and then um, we see another um a, another candidate for the dragon reborn one that has proclaimed himself the to dragon be reborn. the dragon reborn and unlike the guy that we see in episode 1 who is being hunted by the same red sedai and um, he and you know there they talk of the madness has him it's not to say that this guy in the cage and it's legain is isn't mad but he certainly seems more at ease yep. if he is touching the 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 one power as a man. Yes, um, and it plays a major major character uh, in the books. Um, uh, a lot earlier than I expected um, to see this character. Um, I think from the books, all I really remember about Loghain, at least for the majority for the majority of book one, was the idea that he had been captured and was being transported yes. around but you never really got to him until very close yes, exactly. to um yeah. sort of towards the end so i guess yeah they're just showing him on that journey that the book never really gets to other than just mentions which is interesting because yeah. that was a, is it you're right that it was it's all talked about those scenes and we, yeah. we never really hear or see much about it um and i will call like we're getting Leandrin Sadai yeah Super early, okay. A very prominent character from the books, uh, the Red Agi, the Red uh, Asadai, who, as we saw in the very first episode, hates men who can potentially travel. Mm-hmm. She disdains them. They, they, she, they violate everything. And the actress they chose has that cruel 
crazy look in her eye. Yeah. I don't know how to She look. looks like one of the more fanatical members fanatical. of the Ace of Eyes. That's, like, that's what if she for. met the questioner from the last episode... They'd get on and I, I, they would actually get, yeah, get on from, and go for a pint. Or yeah. they would admire one another's work as they were doing that work <laughs> to the other person. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're chopping my hand up. Well, I'm killing you. <laughs> yes. How you pulled my nails out it was it was so good. Yeah. Efficient. I, and, you know. Can I get a name for your torture? I really want to use them. <laughs> um, but yeah, the engine is there and so just good that she's named like that's so now we know who this character is it's good to see the yeah. name there and that's good now moraine is with to a degree there's some anim- animosity we can see yeah. between moraine and leandrin um so definitely it's an interesting something to keep an eye on i guess fire and red for fire and blue for the thinker i guess um for the water yeah, well, for water, yeah, yeah. and and the thinker. Yeah. So I, I, I think um, Red Sedai is probably a doer, and Blue Sedai is more, will do, but in a more contemplative uh, way. yes. Not yes, as direct and as forceful. Yes, that's a good way. It's kind it. of like they've instilled in the Ace Sedai the um, behavioural colours. <laughs> um... <laughs> What's your colours? Well, I'm a, I'm a fiery red. I'm a blue. I'm a thinker. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm you, green. I'm you, passive. Yeah. <laughs> we literally have our listeners who are, no, are in the corporate world suddenly goes, God, no. I know. Is trying to figure out their own but, one? But that's the thing. It's like you do one of those courses and it's like, oh. God, no, no, I'm just all the colours of the rainbow, okay? <laughs> was, that is true, but I am very much a red-yellow, by the way. I'm a dictator <laughs> in the office. I've been called that. Is Literally, I think it's called the, the, the cheery dictator or something like that. The social dictator. Oh, uh, my brilliant. God. Um, I can't see that in you at all. No. Not one bit. Of course. I'm lying. He is rolling his eyes. <laughs> so far, he looks like he's about to go unconscious. But with all that said, should we move on? Is there any notes that you want on this one? Um, I've just got a few. Um, I I really like um Dana when... Two, two things. First of all, as she's making the stew and you just see the <laughs> horror of Rand uh, watching. I, I was convinced she was, all the leftovers from the other plates, I just thought she was going to tip them well, back she in. she tipped in the leftover beer. <laughs> I know. So I thought that was a nice touch. Um, and I, I really like the kind of a little talk, really, um, where she says, you know, we're all born in the dirt, spend our life digging in it, and one day a shovel will cover us up back uh, in the dirt. Um, you know, and this idea of being able to get out and somewhere new um, because then no one will know um that you came from the dirt. And I, I thought that was kind of uh, really nice. I, and it, it, it just, it, it felt meaningful for this show. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that was really probably just simply playing on the, the heartstrings and the, the expectations of, of, of Matt here. Um, and she does it again with, um, with Rand, 
where she says, the wheel hasn't given me many choices. Um, those I've had have effectively led her to what she's describing as this dead-end job in a dead-end town of a dead-end life. Um, where, you know, you're not going to be able to find a man that can string a sentence in the way that you do, you know. So, and it, it pulls out from Rand that I hadn't really thought about the Wheel of Time ever, you yeah. know, that much until uh, that conversation with Tam, his dad, as they're, they're celebrating um, the, the Feast of Lights uh, yeah. being tight. Beltine, and so I thought that was um, I thought that was really nice, and um, and also just again that again I've said it twice now. I'm going to say it again. Matt, him, and Rand's conversation as they're walking through the craggy rocks, and um, where he just says, "Can we swap coats?" Because Matt's got this kind of paper thin kind of long coat on, and Rand's got his like sheep. Sheep wool coat. Not anymore. Uh, no, and it's it's just um can we swap coats? It's freezing up here. And you know, a bit of a complainer, oh will you stop taking us uphill? And and Rand has a, a, a nice moment where he says, The tales of Matt Calton, who walked a while a little chilly. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was nice. Yeah. Oh, that was really good. Um I, I will quickly call out just another line from Dana, which was, if you think I don't drink on this job, you've sorely misjudged me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, I really want to use that in my life some point. <laughs> exactly. She she has just articulated what everyone wants to be able to, <laughs> to like, do. Yes, we're all drinking on our jobs. Um, yeah, there's a co- couple one for me, just that um, Tom mentions a few very well-known places uh, in this that are that will come in later on. So he does mention that a number of cities and towns and places okay, yeah. that will play again strong parts throughout this thing. And I, I, I find it so interesting as someone as you've said it, like as someone who has read all these books and versus yourself is kind of like one or two in and then Derek seeing how the, the, the writing team are breaking and slowly introducing yeah. additional lore and things like that because to be fair Nynaeve Loghain Sadai yeah yeah like, absolutely you're, you're coming up with like tough names and and the, yeah, exactly. Big time. I, the many ways in which you can pronounce literally anything from this world. But and he, he talks about Camille. Yeah. I all thought it was the Camelin. <laughs> like literally in my head for years, I'd been calling it Camelin, and he was just like Camille, and I was like, all right, all right. I my pronunciation is Edivinda, <laughs> and I was like, oh. But it's fun to see them that they're just dropping these. Slowly, yeah. I like to say they're they're dropping pieces around the wheel, talking about how the wheel weaves and where it turns and the different ages. Yeah, and you're like, you're dropping some pretty heavy exposition, but you're sprinkling it in throughout three yeah. episodes, nearly three hours, and you can just simply roll with it. Yeah. And wait for it to unfold, whether it is in this series or season, season one, or in the next, or. You know, then, as we said at the top of the the podcast, there's the X-ray feature where you can at least get something that maybe will help you just to remember what it is for when it does come in. Because, I mean, one of these things with sprinkling it in, I remember this from Game of Thrones because I 
basically hadn't read the books and read them simultaneously yeah. uh, pretty much and then got ahead. But it, it it's just that if in some ways, if, if you don't have that, you, it, it's easily lost because yeah. of the complicated ways in which they're said or how differently they're said or just what is trying to be conveyed. So I think the X-ray feature really works for a show yeah. this laden with lore and mythology and world building. Yeah. Especially like, because imagine here, it'd be like, you're going to America? Where is that? <laughs> and it's like, oh, 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 no, I was just over in the town called Lone Dame. And you're like, oh, okay, okay. So you're going to London and you were previously in America. Like, for us, it all makes sense. But as you're kind of like, for them, they know all these names and stuff. But here, you're just yeah. slowly kind of learning new names and towns and cities and places. It's like, how do you say Worcester? Oh, Worcester sauce. Mm. Yeah, Worcester or... I always say Worcester. Worcestershire. Or, or Gloucester. Gloucester. I can say that one. There yeah, you go. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but that's because you know. But for people yeah. coming from outside of, say... UK certainly or Ireland, Best one. then it's it it's like how is that pronounced because yeah. of the just the letters and the order in which they appear. Uh, Yosemite. Yeah. Uh, oh, for years, as that was written, it was Yosemite because <laughs> it was also it was a, absolutely a, an Apple. It was an Apple uh, product feature for a while. Yosemite. It was one of their versions, and I was like Yosemite. You know when we're going to? It was on Yosemite. It was the latest feature. They were like, "What are you talking? What is Yosemite? Yeah. Yosem? Oh, Yosemite! Oh, now I <laughs> own yeah. yeah, exactly. And on that bomb, yes, of me, kind of really, we have spoke and. <laughs> But I must ask, John, did you enjoy this episode of Wheel of Time? Oh, I really did. Um, I, I thought this was a superb episode. Loved it. I'd give it four and a half slap and tickles out of five. <laughs> um, although maybe... <laughs> I don't think I can do better, actually. But nonetheless, um, <laughs> I think uh, this... Yeah, I just... I loved how they ran with uh, the three kind of fragmented groups. Loved Nynaeve. Um absolutely loved um her in this and uh, i cannot wait to see uh more of Nynaeve uh so good i just love her feistiness i i, I love how she is absolutely uncompromising but for the protection and safety of her friends uh, yeah. that she's searching for of which certainly at the moment um she does not class uh, Moraine or Lan uh, as one of them. Uh, Matt and Rand again, maybe a little getting a little bit strained here. Um, certainly once they had gotten to uh, Breen Spring, but I loved Matt and again in in, in this episode. I loved his interaction with Tondril Merlin and um, Rand as well um, with with Dana, um, and she was amazing. It, it's actually for me it. it it's one of those moments where you get a character that's in here for one episode and um, just played it to a T. Really good. Yeah. And it's you're sad to see, as always, a knife uh, thrust right through the, um, her throat um, and death. But you know what a what a, uh, a, a an editorial fade cut uh, that we got from <laughs> it. Um, <clears throat> dare I say it? And then you know. 
not so much dancing with wolves, but more sort of running uh, from, from wolves, wolves. Um, or, or, or with wolves. You know, again, just a little notch here for Perrin as to, you know, what is this going to mean? What's happening with these wolves? Um, and Perrin's dream, just to you know, really emphasize the point that now they've kind of been um, split up. These dreams will become more dangerous because of the power that they hold, how the Dark One can manipulate them, um, and yeah. given that, for the time being at least, um, there's not the protection of the Ace Sedai, because Moraine was very adamant that they need to tell her the next time they have them. And so this was really good, and it you know, finished off with the interesting sort of self-proclaimed dragon reborn yeah. uh, in Loghain uh, as well. So for me, this was four and a half slap and tickles out of five. Chris, uh, what did you think? Um, did you enjoy the episode three, A Place of Safety? I felt very safe Excellent. in the place of safety. I, I really, really enjoyed this. Uh, as both I said, would be top of this episode as a singular episode it was fantastic. It had that intrigue. It had a bit of way more world building. And then when you take it as a, uh, the trilogy of these opening episodes, the first three that were dropped today on the 19th, it's so, such a strong opening to the point yeah. where like you've been given so much. Um, and I, I love that I can see a lot of people hopefully going into next week, going into episode four, because I am very much biased on how much I love this series. Um, but for me, it, it's seeing this world come to life, a world yeah. that I've for years imagined in my head and with some, uh, artwork that was on some of the original book That's covers. That's it. It, 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 it. Like any beloved book, it was like with getting Lord of the Rings on, on film or getting Doctor Strange yeah. as a movie. Um, you're just like going, you know, just please get it right, please yeah. get it right. And and when they do, um, and by that I don't mean it, it's, it's slavishly faithful to it, but, you know, the adaptations are meaningful because they understand ultimately the characters and the world and yeah. the relationships and the motivations. Then it all plays out really well. And I, I, I agree. I, I, think, um, I think they're doing a really, really good job. And I've absolutely enjoyed, um, these first three episodes, um, and cannot wait for, Episode four. Yeah, no, it is going to be a good one. But we must wait a while, uh, at least a week. So why don't we head down to the pub and have a wait? Yes, definitely. We are heading off to a little old inn in a little old mountain mining town. We head to the Four Kings, of yeah. course, in, in Breen's Spring for the Wheel of Time pub quiz. It is episode three. It is a place of safety. This is question three. Uh, will this be a safe question or I will it know. be excruciatingly hard and difficult? I think you'll be able to find it. Just remember, so, yeah. use the pause button yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or put up the subtitles. Remember, all our questions are taken from the episodes. Yeah. Um, it, it's not asking for anything that you cannot get from the episode. So question three how many coppers does Dana, the serving girl, charge Rand and Matt for their meal and their donation to the Glee Man? Once more? For yes, those. absolutely. Always do it twice. Yeah. Chris? 
How many coppers does Dan of the Serving Girl charge Rand and Matt for their meal and their donation to the Gleeman? Remember, answers to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. You can send them in weekly or you can chuck all eight answers in uh, at the end of this first season when we will rank all the um, the answers that have come in from all the participants uh, and then we will do the, the tombola of, of choice to see um, who has been lucky enough to get the Wheel of Time merch that we haven't yet quite identified, but we will bring it we've back. We've got time, we've got we, time. We've got time. Yeah. We have five more episodes, so uh, the next episode, we will uh, provide you uh, with the an indication of... <laughs> we'll get you all the books. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll point you in the right direction of a bookstore. How's that? Absolutely. No, no, no. We'll come away with some good prices. Or if you're a keen knitter, we will get you some wool um, so that you can weave away. Yes. That, oh, that, you can weave your own <laughs> wheel of time. Weave. And, Quilt. Oh, oh, there we are. There we go. Yes. Or you can make your own sheep herder. Um, kind of coat, much like Rand, but we we will figure that out. Yeah, we will be definitely getting there. So bear with us, um, whilst we search out the 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 uh, goodies for this uh, pub quiz uh, for the Wheel of Time. Yes, but if you want to just give us some standard feedback on what you thought of this episode or the first three episodes of the Wheel of Time don't forget you can send us a voicemail to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com you can email us at that same address with just remember to put in the subject line which episodes you're giving us feedback on and you can just throw that to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com don't forget to join us over on our Facebook page facebook.com slash tvpodcastindustries or if you would prefer head on over to our group on Facebook where we put up spoiler posts for each and every episode and there's a community and we all kind of chat along around each episode to facebook.com slash groups slash TV podcast industries. You're not on either of any of those. You don't have email. You're not on Facebook. Don't worry. Maybe you're on Twitter. You can head on over to TV Pod Industries where we tweet. That's it. Occasionally. We tweet, tweet occasionally. <laughs> well, and we put our podcasts up on we there as there. well. We and in, in our Facebook group. Yes. So, and yes. uh, definitely on the lead up to the Wheel of Time, John was doing an amazing job kind of giving you a bit of background and lore. Uh, so it was definitely fun. Yes. Hello again, it's Derek interrupting John and Chris once again um, with the feedback section. But I think after the awesome feedback we've been getting in, um, I don't think you mind the interruption, do you? No, not at all. Again, <laughs> I, I'm Chris, what has happened? You've changed. <laughs> I have. Yes, Chris uh, stepped into my podcasting chair uh, for episode two and episode three. Uh, you guys podcasted together in the same room as well. Which we is, did, uh, which is really good. Yeah, yeah. something you haven't done for years. Um not since the um, Marvel Netflix, uh, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, and then sporadically since then, yeah. uh, for sure. Yeah. So really good. Uh, thanks again for uh, for the episode. Uh, it was really good uh, listening to your thoughts on episode three. This was my favorite episode of the three so far. Um, but I know the necessity of the first two episodes, of course, um, kind of opening the world, giving us uh, the exposition about all the factions and all the people that are involved. But this episode felt like a really exciting episode. Um once again, Amazon Prime doing this great thing with this launch of a series with three episodes to give you a real flavor of the show. And it feels like a big movie, you know, um, being put out all in one day. So uh, really, really enjoyed it. Uh, will we get some thoughts from our wonderful fellow wheelers? Yes. Um, first up, uh, some email feedback from Coffee and Vodka, who sent his thoughts uh, about episode three. 
Greetings, fellow Romany travellers. Uh, big Lord of the Rings uh, vibes with the sweating of the Fellowship and a singing Strider. Not much to say about this one other than continued good character development, excellent cinematography, and some nice potential Aesir Eye intrigue. Other than that, this felt a bit filler-esque. Any ideas as to why the wolves didn't follow? Hope this dystopian roadshow makes up for the possible loss of one in Why the Last Man. With three approved seasons and 14 novels worth of story, here's to one so far in the win category. I'd give it three Deadpools out of five, or three Unknown Songs out of five, or three <laughs> Deadman's Baubles out of five. Uh, pick any one. Um, thank you, Coffee and Vodka. Um, Coffee and Vodka sa- signs off with peace and take care. Thanks so much. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I... Um, I really, really enjoyed this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, I loved the fact that you got Tom uh, Marilyn, uh, the Gleeman. Uh, I loved just the contrast between the, the safety um, and ultimately the potential danger that they could still be in, uh, particularly with uh, Random Matt. And I, I loved the whole element around um Breen Spring. Uh, I thought that was really, really good. And and Dana, uh I I really just took to. I think um I think for any actor um if they you know if they're just there for that one episode mm-hmm. um and to to have a really good um mark uh yeah. to make in, in the sh- in the episode yes. is really good and i really like the way she did that she she felt comfortable she really drew you in yeah. like she did with the characters of of matt and rand and then bosh you know it turned into t2 and uh, <laughs> a dark friend so that was yeah. really really good i thought that was great and it does feel like that thing of now it's showing you the risk that's there for these kids who've left their home uh, the security of their hometown and gone out into the world. You know, as you say, this is kind of the on the road uh, episode, but there there are things here that feel like world building. Um, this idea that you you can't trust anybody. Uh, the the barmaid here seemed really really trustworthy. She seemed like a a, a very friendly character, welcoming them in, um, giving them a job so they can pay their way, and then turned on them, and uh, which I think is is something that you that these guys are going to have to. Um, work out who to trust and who not to trust when on the road, which well, is, I think, a great wrinkle to the show. Exactly. And it, it's words you place the travelling folk um, in, in this, the Towerton, mm. uh, with Perrin and uh, Egwene now there. You know, are they trustworthy mm. uh, in this world? Um, what are their connections to these different factions? Mm. And then with Lan bringing Moraine and Nynaeve to um, the her sisters, the, the other uh, Ace Sedai that mm-hmm. we saw in episode one, uh, and whilst they will absolutely uh, help as a sisterhood, you do get a sense of a, a little bit of um, a competitive nature uh, between um, the, 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 the two main Ace Sedai there of Moraine and, and the red Ace Sedai yeah. there that we saw in the first episode. And there has to be a reason why each of the factions of the Ace Sedai, I guess, are wearing different colors. So there has to be some kind of reason why um, they're in different kind of segments. So perhaps some of the segments don't like each other. That'll be really interesting to see uh, in the next episode. Thanks, Coffee and Vodka. Let's head on over to Facebook for some Facebook feedback.
First up, Dr. Bob Phillips says, The obsession with bowel devouring is notable in this. Not sure if it's a book thing, Chris Jones, and I'm not convinced the crunching sound effect was entirely accurate unless some significant digestive issues anti-mortem. <laughs> <laughs> really enjoying the weaving of dream and reality and the flitting of the expectation with characters. The herding of the groups to the tower makes me a little concerned we're going to end up in a pen, but what worried me most was if someone on the podcast decided to try and emulate the Gleeman. Ooh, I don't know. I haven't actually finished editing the third episode as I've come in to interrupt you guys for the feedback. Uh, did Chris do any kind of um, vocalizing throughout the episode? Well, I can I can confirm that that didn't happen. Okay, good. Yes, um, good. and I did have my sedative ready in case there was any attempt to do this. Fantastic. Um, I think we were. Yeah, I think the music so far, um, or, or the singing, has been has been really good, mm. um, and really enjoyed it yeah. uh, for sure. You do kind of feel that. I wonder whether they've um, whether that was part of the casting process, whether each person had to sing a song to see if they had the voice to be able to do uh, the the songs. We had one back in episode two, and now we have the Gleeman uh, coming in here with uh, doing this really interesting um, storytelling song. So uh, very important to his character, I understand. So. Abs- yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed the the, the opening uh, of Nynaeve's kind of quick flashback to how she escaped. But I loved how the Trollocs, that one seemed to be maybe comforting the the injured one and then effectively uh, went all sort of uh, Hannibal Lecter on it. Mm-hmm. I know Chris responded to your comments uh, on Facebook, Dr. Bob, as well, about the bell devouring. Um, not specifically a book thing, he says. Uh, not something that carries on throughout 15 episodes, but uh, very visual for the show. Um and I guess because it's in the dream, I guess the crunching sound effect would just more something that you would hear in a dream, right? It's not a, a vision that he's having or a memory that he's having. It's a, it may not perform the same way it does in the real world, right? I guess so. <laughs> yes. There you go. Uh, giving them an out there on Wheel of Time once again. Thanks, Dr. Bob. Yeah, thanks, Bob. Uh, Dan Lee says, properly getting into this now. Mm-hmm. One of those shows where you go, ooh, every time the credits roll and you realize you have to wait another week. Mm-hmm. From what I can see, they are managing to cram a whole lot into each episode without it being overwhelming. There you go. Yeah, definitely. Um, there, I think uh, myself and uh, Chris were very much uh, talking about the spring of law throughout uh, all of these episodes. Mm-hmm. Some, uh, I guess, as Chris is better placed, uh, that really um, sort of at least hint at things uh, significantly down the line right. um, in in other books. Uh, and yeah, I, I guess that's really interesting. Um, it, it's difficult sometimes to just retain that if right. you know, and the context, and even if it is important, mm-hmm. and so. But I, I do think that they're, you know, they are managing that really well, as you say. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks, Dan. And thanks to everybody for your feedback that you've sent into us for the first three episodes. We will cover more feedback on the first three episodes when we get to episode four, which will be coming out at 5 p.m. GMT next Saturday, the 27th of November. Uh, send in your thoughts once you've watched the episode. We'd love to hear what you think about episode four or any of the episodes so far in Wheel of Time. Yes, thanks so much for the feedback, fellow wheelers. Bye, I'll put you back to Chris and John to say uh, to close out the episode. Why, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, remember, share the love uh, by sharing the podcast. You can um, head on over to tvpodcastindustries.com where you can subscribe uh, to the, the podcast on any good or evil podcast. Uh, we're on Apple, we're on Google Podcasts, 
Spotify, Spotify, you name it, whatever you listen to, uh, just search TV Podcast Industries. And we should pop up uh, in the old earlugs uh, with our, our dulcet tones. Uh, you can also support us uh, over on Patreon if you want to uh, at patreon.com forward slash TV Podcast Industries uh, for a regular amount or over on buymeacoffee.com at buymeacoffee.com forward slash TVPI for any one-off support uh, that you want to do. But any which way uh, you support our podcast uh, is absolutely appreciated by myself, Chris and Derek uh, for uh, helping us to to get out the podcasts, get them out in good quality yep. and do all the bits and bobs required uh, for, um, for our podcasts. Yes, we will be back next week, this coming week, for Marvel's Hawkeye. Uh, which kicks off Wednesday, Marvel Wednesdays over on Disney Plus. Yes, yes, that kicks off with the first two episodes. And that will be out then, and then we will be back then on Friday with our dulcet tones in your ears for the fourth episode of the Wheel of Time, The Dragon Reborn. Yes, absolutely. Because we got screeners, we do have some embargo, so uh, the podcast will be coming out at. Five o'clock on Saturday uh, after each weekly uh, release net from now on. So we'll be keeping to to that schedule uh, as well. Uh, but as always, fellow wheelers, it is a pleasure talking to you about this huge world of the Wheel of Time. Remember, now there are no beginnings or endings, but this is the end of the podcast. Remember, keep watching, keep listening, and keep wheeling. Bye. <laughs>